What's up guys, this is Logan, I'm from Here the Spear, presented by Noel Game Day. I'm here with Dustin and Ryan. What's up guys? What's up Logan? <laughs> Whoa, no D-Lou? What's up? No D-Lou? Yeah, no, he's never done that before, I didn't know what to do. Well, I, yeah, <laughs> I was kind of getting scary. Since last weekend, you don't want to do it anymore, Ryan? Yeah, no, he uh, he's bad luck. D-Lou's bad luck, we need another guy on here. Yeah, we just want to say happy birthday to Ryan, too. Big 21, he's now, like, really an adult. I don't know, mature-wise, that's there, but getting close. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's getting close. You have a good time? Good time, good time. Yeah, that's it. I had a W. It was on Saturday. I got a W, so that was good. That is correct. Where'd you go? Um, Chuck E. Cheese. I did some things. I bounced around. You bounced around, <laughs> did some things? Did some things. All right, Jimbo. um so let's let's do a little recap of the niu game uh florida state played at home it was a hot game at uh 330 in tallahassee florida state won 37 to 19 uh i know we always go over our top player our most uh on the notes here it's depressing player but uh, and then we pick our surprising player uh i'll let you go first ryan who who was the top player in that win over the big niu I like Kyle Myers, um, and maybe wasn't the best player on the field, but as far as like my top guy, I mean he's just been so good, and it's been so I want to say like unsuspecting. I didn't think he was necessarily going to be bad, but I certainly had my doubts coming into the year if he was the best option to be the number two corner. But now the questions are around uh, the other corner, uh, so we'll see if Levante Taylor can pull it together, but Myers had two sacks and was good in coverage all day. So I don't know what more you could ask for from a boundary corner. Dustin. Yeah. I thought, uh, Deandre Francois had a really good showing, you know, after taking a beating in Syracuse, he went 23 out of 31, 352 yards and two touchdowns. And, Man, those first two drives with that offense, it, it looked like what we really thought we would see throughout the whole year. And then, it, I mean, it kind of tapered off throughout the game, and then it came back. But overall, I thought Francois played a really good game against one of the better defenses the Seminoles have faced. I'm going to go to Marion Terry. It seems like every time the ball is being thrown to him that you kind of can guarantee a catch. He's like a highlight reel right now. Uh and we'll get into it later in another segment, but uh, he obviously needs to be thrown at more and needs to play. Uh, he he gets a lot of snaps, but he needs to have more more connections with uh, DeAndre Francois right now. But he he's a stud, and if you want touchdowns, you got to throw it to fifteen. Uh, up next, we're going to talk about the player that didn't impress us whatsoever during the game on Saturday. Dustin, do you have one that you can? Yeah, I mean, over overall as a unit, I thought the defense played a really good game against Northern Illinois. But the player I want to hone in on is, is Brian Burns. You know, I really thought coming into this year he was going to have a d- double-digit sacks, maybe closing in on 15 sacks or so. You know, he might still get there. But just, just in this game, I really noticed he was taking himself out of plays. He was using the speed rush too much, and it was just – taking him out of plays and he wasn't able to make an impact on, on that pass rush and Florida State really struggled there getting to Northern Illinois quarterback uh, I read today that Brian Burns is second in the country in quarterback hurries but I'll agree with you Dustin because 
Like, yeah, it's nice to get hurries, but if you're not finishing the job, I mean, Burns only has three and a half sacks through four games, which isn't bad at all, but considering the level of competition FSU's played with Syracuse, Samford, and um, Northern Illinois, um, hurries are nice and all, but at the end of the day, if you're not uh, getting sacks and effectively ending drives, then I'll agree. Uh, I expect a little bit more out of him. Um, the, the player that I'm, I don't know, my the kind of player to keep sticking out to me is Levante Taylor. We'll see if he can pull it together. Corner's kind of like an up-and-down position. Uh, confidence has a lot to do with it. So maybe a big game. He certainly has the physical tools, but it seems like he, he's getting picked on. Um, and it, and I do mean picked on. It seems like they're literally uh, drawing up plays or at least trying to get him lined up on certain players to take advantage of mismatches. So uh, that was my... I agree with you on Levante Taylor. He just can't go against these bigger guys, or it seems that for right now. Last year, it seems like a almost a whole 180 from what we saw from Taylor last year and this year. But, yeah, I do agree. I think they are going after him, picking on him quite a bit, and you'd like to see that change a lot, hopefully, starting this weekend, even though we said last week that we would hope to see it against Syracuse against before the NIU game, but it, it just keeps happening over and over again. Uh, most surprising player of that game. I mean, it's got to be it's got to be Treshawn Harrison, right? I mean, we saw the true freshman receiver from Seattle. He got his first touches, um, you know, in Garnet and Gold, and he was he was really impressive. You know, he he caught a ball, broke a tackle, and made a spin move near the end of the first half. And then there was another play where he broke a few tackles and then cut back across the defense. And it kind of it reminded me a little bit of Peter Warwick, honestly. I mean, I was I was really impressed with his athleticism and you know his fight to just get out of those tackles and, and keep fighting for extra yards. So I really want to see what kind of opportunities he gets going forward after that performance. He only had three catches for thirty four yards, but I mean that can only improve with more touches. I'll take uh, Keith Gavin, a player that has played a lot at Florida State before. It's not like a guy like Trayshawn Harrison where you don't know what to expect, but it seems like what you've come to expect out of Gavin is like a lack of consistency. And so far, he's now he's strung together a couple or a few weeks. This week, six catches for 93 yards. He's not just a lob it up and see if he can go make a play guy. He's catching comebacks. He's catching intermediate routes. And uh, he's, made, he's made some nice burst plays and been a really reliable receiver for Florida State, which is not something I'm sure you've would have ever predicted coming into the year. So that's kind of surprising. Uh, Dustin stole mine with Harrison, so thanks a lot, Dustin. <laughs> um, I'll make sure to take take care of you in fantasy in two weeks. Um, <laughs> second might be kind of a, a definitely a surprise to y'all, too. I'm going to go Nooney Murray. I thought he had a solid game. Uh, it's kind of been a quiet season from him. But uh, I thought he, he went for 85 yards, five receptions, average 17 yards. I thought he had a, a pretty nice game as a surprising player to me. Uh, hopefully DeAndre and him can get back to connecting like they used to uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, so one of the big things that has been a controversy this season is, you know, the turnover item that Florida State's been using. It is a red backpack. What does it cost? Like $450, 500 whatever it is. Um, whenever they, Florida State gets a fumble or an interception, something to that matter, they get to wear the backpack on the sideline while they're in their uh, – on the sideline meetings and stuff like that. But uh, 
as of right now, the sources tell us that the backpack is gone. Uh, Florida State's uh, getting rid of it. Is this a good good idea by FSU? Do you think it's it's something that the national attention just gave it too much hate and all that kind of stuff? I mean, it definitely um, negates some of the fan backlash that, that we saw when the backpack made its first appearance against Sanford. But, I mean, I still wonder... You know, had Florida State gotten a turnover against Virginia Tech, would would the fan base have um, embraced it more than? Yes. You know, they got it in a meaningless game against Sanford. <laughs> when people are already upset. Syracuse. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Dustin. I don't need to add anything else to that answer. I don't think Florida State <laughs> fans have ever been been so mad during that week after the Sanford game. I mean, the social media. I mean, it was a riot all over the place. So it was just not a good debut for. The turnover backpack. Uh, maybe we'll mess. See, maybe we'll see a spear next week or something, um, or this weekend. So, do y'all want to jump over to the Louisville game and start previewing that? This game, I think, is going to be an actually really good game from the stats point of view on everything. Why are you giggling? I just <laughs> it's just yeah. ugly. It's just going to be they're both bad. It's going to be ugly versus ugly. And if you enjoy watching that, make sure you're not eating popcorn or anything. Make sure you get a drink <laughs> from the fridge. Uh, I I suggest tequila or oh, it's a family friend. Or no, it could be Jello shots. Uh, wow, just something. Just, if you're of the necessary drinking age. Yes, if, if you're not, necessary. Make sure we put that in there. If Sunny you're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're not, go get your butt a Sprite or something. Go get something. This is this Or a is, fake ID. Figure it out. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, or a fake ID by Dustin Lewis. Great. Uh, Louisville stats right now. The quarterback... <laughs> Uh, this is this is just gonna be ugly. They're they're averaging 163 yards a game passing, 121 rushing. Uh, that's 110th in the country. Uh, Florida State has a small edge, 270 passing yards, but then they go down when rushing yards. They're 100 and, 102 every game, and they're ranked 121st in the country. All right, let's play a game here. Don't look. Uh, S&P rates all of the teams based on offense, defense, and special team, ranks them in the country. We're going to play a game I like to call Who's Worse. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> offense, who's worse, FSU or Louisville? Without looking, Logan, go. Offense? Yes. Um, Louisville. L- Dustin? I mean... I haven't watched a lot of Louisville. I, I saw the you know the game against Virginia, and I and I watched some of that season opener where they got pounded against Alabama. But I've watched Florida State play, so I definitely think FSU has the worst offense. <laughs> Correct, you are. Uh, Louisville is 109th offensively. FSU is 112th defense. Logan, who's worse in defense? Okay, Louisville. Dustin. Um, I would say, I would say Louisville as well. Yes, Louisville is fifty seventh. FSU seventeenth. FSU's defense has been pretty good this year. Yeah, no, yeah. Who's impressive. worse on special teams, FSU or Louisville? Florida State. <laughs> Logan. Seminoles. Yeah, FSU's ninety eighth. Ninety eighth in special Ooh, teams. Louisville's fifty seventh. But overall, FSU does have a slight edge. FSU, according to S&P Plus, is 16th or 67th overall, and Louisville is 85th. 
So according to this, we're going to get relegated to the uh, group of five pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... (laughs) What's so interesting, though, is that some of these stats, at least per ESPN, they're so close. That's why I think this game is actually going to be really good. I mean, it could be boring. The Vegas line is six points favoring Florida State, but it is in at Louisville, and we've seen so far... Well, FSU hasn't played well anywhere, let me clarify that, but especially on the road, we have one game, we scored one touchdown against a terrible defense at Syracuse. <laughs> terrible. Florida State is currently, points per game, 20, Louisville 17, points allowed per game, 24, and Louisville is 25. And it kind of just goes on from there of how close they are. Even the yards allowed, Florida State allows 376 per game on average, and Louisville is 389. It's like Dustin, how, so how many points did FSU score at Syracuse? Well, I mean, zero in my mind, but you know they got a garbage touchdown, so seven. Seven. Western Michigan scored 42. UConn yeah. scored 21 at Syracuse. That's what we're dealing with here. Hmm. Florida State has. You're missing. You're missing that Wagner game too. Freaking <laughs> Wagner scored ten points against Syracuse. Wagner. Yep. Wow. Wow. Yep. I want to bring up I want something. To say another F word there. <laughs> Wouldn't it be the first time we'd have to edit this t- multiple times for your cussing <laughs> on here. Even though I did miss one. Bum out. The season opener. Anyways. Um, Sorry, Mom. Yeah. Exactly. I want, I want to move on to a topic here that we have on the notes. Uh, should Sta- uh, Stanford Samuels be moved back to corner at the moment because of uh, Levante Taylor's poor performance so far in the start of the season? I think that was a mistake to move him back there, Samuels. Uh, if I could start, I'll say no. Because of the way Myers has played, I think the staff saw that, that if they to get their five best players on the field, I think – our safety depth, even though Levante Taylor hasn't played great, I still think our corners are better than our... Like, taking Stanford Samuels out of the equation, I still think our corners are better than our safeties. <clears throat> so I think having Stanford on the field, he's still covering a lot um, because of the way this defense works schematically. So he's basically playing nickel since would-be at quote-unquote star isn't going to be covering slot receivers very often as much as like tight ends. So he's, he's still walking down into coverage on... Um, in effectively playing a nickel position, but I I just think our safeties are too thin and like, um, Fagan has been I don't want to say really bad, but not now uh, so far he hasn't lived up to the expectations. Hams has been good, but has also blown assignments. Um, and AJ Westbrook kind of you know what you're going to get with him high floor low ceiling. So I think I th- I still think it makes sense to have him at at a corner, but. With it's a fair question considering how Levante has played a corner. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's worth a look. I mean, do you guys think it would be possible to see Samuels go back to corner and take Levante's job and then still have Myers out there? I mean, would that work? Who would you, you have play? Would... Who would you have play safe safety Ham- that in the spot Ham- that the free safety spot that Sam Stanford is playing? Hamza or or um, I just don't want Fagan. Hamza anywhere. Covering, I don't, I don't want either of those guys covering anybody. So yeah. no, yeah. I don't answer. really want Levante Taylor covering anybody either, though. No, he's not that <laughs> bad. Stop that. 
he's gotten exposed a few times. I mean, I don't know, I don't know if it's enough to to move Stanford Samuels back, but it's definitely, you know, something that the staff has to think about going forward. How they're going to get Levante into matchups that he can excel in, rather than get taken advantage of in. The the wide receiver play has been pretty interesting this season. A lot of young guys stepping up. We already kind of talked about it. Uh, Tamarian, we've seen a lot of through games and then Treshawn Harrison which we just saw for a couple minutes but we were like okay you know you see the future highlight reel from him uh, later in a couple of years does uh should these guys be playing a lot more over Keith Gavin Murray and George Campbell um, I, I think I think to answer your question uh accurately I'll break it up into parts I don't think they should play more over Gavin. I do think they should both play more over Murray, and I think they've both already been playing more than Campbell. Yeah, Campbell's just seems like he's just there for the go routes. Yep. They deep post, um, even though they're not throwing those, so he's not playing at all. I mean, I think that they could they could play effectively, you know, with Keith and Nyquan on on the field with them. I I just want to see them get get more touches. I mean, Tamorion, Terry, Look, Dustin wants Trey, nine wide receiver sets. Well, I mean, if that's your if that's your top four guys right there, Keith, Nyquan, Tamorion, and Treshawn. Yeah, are you taking DJ Matthews off? The oh field? yeah, yeah. I'm not thinking about DJ. You're right. You're right. Forgot about you, DJ. Got to get a couple more catches for me. But um, <laughs> or uh, since you're all in on special teams, don't you want a punt return by now? Well, he had one. If they wouldn't have got a freaking yeah, penalty, we get a penalty on every single punt return. Yeah, if there's any gain to it, yes, over ten yards, there will be a penalty, no matter it's what. It's a penalty or a fair catch. Yes, no those are the only two options. Correct. <laughs> but yeah, back to the receivers. I ju- I just think that they should get more touches. I mean, Treshawn, you know, he finally got those three catches against Northern Illinois. Tamorion's only got eight catches all season. So combined, that's that's 11 total catches. Nyquan and Keith combined, they have 36. And they both have more than um, Tamorion and Treshawn combined by themselves. So I just think maybe distributing the ball around a bit better and, and getting more people touches, that could uh, improve this offense's output. Yeah, Tamar and Terry is someone really fun to watch, I like. And I think we'll see a lot of Deshaun Harrison going forward in the season. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities. Uh, and, uh, he's, he's got three of the five receiving touchdowns this season. <laughs> Keith, Keith Gavin and Nyquan Murray have zero. Yep. He's averaging 22 yards a catch right now. He's got the only touchdowns in the entire wide receiving unit. The other ones by Trey McKitty, and then um, Jaquez caught one against Northern Illinois. That tip ball. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> that reminded me of Carlos Williams against Miami in 2014. Remember uh, that one? Yeah, yeah. That was Same crazy. Too. That yeah, was crazy. That was. I know. It, that's what I mean. It was like I got deja vu. That was funny. That was. Funny. And they're both like bigger running backs. I know. It was. It was very weird. similar. Yep, exactly. It was like the same side of the field and everything. It was really yeah. weird. It always <laughs> happens in that end zone for some reason. All the fun stuff happens that end zone. That's where the band is, so that's fine. Uh, Florida State has uh, Taggart's implemented a new punishment. 
uh, action on guys that are fumbling a lot. Uh, he's now making sure these players are bringing the ball with them, the football, wherever they go. So they're going to take it to the bathroom with them. He, they're going to take it to the movies <laughs> with them. They're going to take it to class, class with them. Meetings. Uh, everywhere they go. And if if we're going to go off of the movie, what was our, our Richie, Richie Bar- Richard Barnes wrote a really good thing for us. This the week. program. Yeah, off the program. They should be hitting the ball out of their hands while they're walking around campus. So uh, that's something just, I mean, just kind of wanted to bring that up. So, if you, Dustin, if you're walking by Trey McKitty tomorrow <laughs> or Cam Akers, make sure you punch the living. I know Trey will fumble it. <laughs> oh, come on. Wow. They blocked really well on Saturday. Wow. I'm just playing. <laughs> Acres, I, I think I, I think I could get that ball out though. I'm not lying. I really yeah, no, you probably could. If, yeah, everybody else has. You, you probably could. <laughs> Man, wow. What do we think uh, about it, Logan? What do you think? Uh, I, I think, mean, I was just bringing it up. I, I mean, it's just a I fun. I think it's a. Funny I think it's thing. a good idea for mentally. Like, I think I don't think it actually, obviously, helps anything like physicality wise. Because, like Dustin said, it's not it, going to be random students running up to them punching it. So I think it's there. To I think that stuff there. comes at practice. You need to teach better technique holding the ball, um, and better like finishing through contact while still holding the ball. So that that starts at practice. But just the mentality of taking care of the football and maybe like sacrificing one extra yard to not turn the ball over. Like don't don't you don't always have to be play out of control and play like trying to gain as many yards as possible as much as protecting the football. I think them holding it all day might make them realize, hey, like let me not fumble so I could, don't have to carry this around. I think it's a good thing, too, to just kind of embarrass them and say, you know, when they're around their friends, hanging out while they got it in their hands or whatever, just making fun of them just to not fumble the frigging ball, you know? I had someone text me that they saw uh, McKitty with the ball over at Merge getting some food. So, I mean, they're really taking the rock everywhere. But I mean, I, I agree with what Ryan said. I just think it's a way to to get the skill players to to just think about the football more, understand like how important it is to to keep it in your possession, and just having to carry it around doing your your day to day activities. You know, you always have the football with you; it's always on your mind, and just making you focus. See, now Marvin Wilson was always this off season. He always walks around with the football. You can ask any of his teammates; he's always walking around. Definitely when he's going to get his honey fried chicken on Fridays. Uh, but he was always walking around with it. So are we seeing, are we thinking Marvin Wilson could be playing fullback on the goal line this year? Yes. Is, is that... Marvin Wilson needs he is goal the... line carries. Heard it here first, here this year. Yep. Sounded he... by Noel Game Day, Logan Robinson. That was off Ryan's daughter. But I did give the prediction, but Ryan's going to confirm it for us. Hey, he is the fastest defensive lineman on the team. So I'd like to see it. All right, we're going to get to the best segment of the podcast, everybody's favorite. Ryan wrote some really nice ones for us this week. He, he, he had a lot. He had a, he must have had a good nap th- today, right? I did have a good nap today. Was it? Okay. Yeah. So here we go. Overreaction or Akron? I'll let you go first, Ryan. Louisville is the worst okay. team Florida State has faced so far this season. Whew. You know... Well, it's not like FSU's played some really tough teams this year. Think about it. You have 
You have Virginia Tech, who lost to Old Dominion. You have Samford, who's FCS. I mean, but then you get into the harder part. You have Syracuse, who gave up 42 points to Western Michigan. And then you have Louisville, who got held to points by the University of Virginia. So that's really a tough one. I really think it, it's good. I really don't know. That's It's a really good question. <laughs> I mean, How would you tell? It's a great because question by you they've yourself. They've all played poor, poor teams and have played poorly. I'll say that they're the second worst behind, I guess, NIU. I don't know. It would have to I don't be know. NIU. I think Syracuse is better than Samford, NIU, and Louisville because they're – or, I mean, Syracuse is better than Samford, NIU, and Louisville. But uh, I don't know out of those three teams who's the worst. I think they'd honestly split games if they played, like, best out of ten. I think they'd all win five against each other. Um, I'm going to say overreaction as well because I really do think Sanford is still the worst team that Florida State has faced this year. I mean, you had their quarterback – you know, he had a really good showing in Tallahassee. But, I mean, since then, that Sanford Bulldogs team has lost to, to Mercer, and then they've also lost to Chattanooga at home. So, I mean, I don't really think they're the top-tier FCS team that we thought they were coming into that game. And they, they've point. kind of fallen off since there, or since then. That's a good point. All right, a reaction or accurate on the next one. James Blackman should start or should be playing over – DeAndre Francois, and I, I, w- I want to ask you on this question, Ryan. Are we meaning after what we've seen the four games, or should he have been starting? I think season? I meant it as, like, if he had played the last four games, would he be playing better than Francois? Not necessarily should he be starting, but, like, would he be? Would he have better stats? Would he have the offense be doing better under James Blackman? Um, I'll answer it. I say it's an overreaction. I think Francois... Um, is more talented than Blackman, and um, from what I've heard, like from what I know about how Blackman performed at practice, uh, I w- I think he would be doing worse than Francois. Even though people want to think the grass is always greener on the other side, just because they haven't seen Blackman play the, under this offense, they think it has to be better than Francois. But we did see Blackman play last year, um, and there, it wasn't all that special, folks. I hate to break it to you, I and I love Blackman as like a. As like a, uh, a teammate and a leader, I think eventually he could be a really good Florida State quarterback, but I don't think he should be playing right now for Francois. And I think Willie uh, echoed my sentiments um, a few times in press conferences. That's blasphemous. That's terrible. <clears throat> I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say overreaction as well, just because I don't think any quarterback on this roster could have the the success that you want to see out of a Florida State quarterback due to the offensive line in front of him. I mean, Francois already taken shots to that uh, repaired knee. He was limping around in the Syracuse game, and, you know, there was times he didn't look comfortable against NIU, and, I mean, all season, really. And I think Blackland would be the same sort of thing. I mean, he's still he's still skinny. He's still a twig. He put on, like, 15 pounds of muscle. But, I mean, when you're six foot five and you're under 200 pounds, I mean, he's going to take a beating back there, and it, it – could end up being worse than Francois because at least Francois, you know, he weighs enough for, for his size. Blackman is just too skinny to take those hits. Overreaction or accurate right off the spot right now? Would the team play harder for Blackman since he's obviously the biggest team leader right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that's fair. I'd say yes. 
You think the um, O line would block harder for James Black? But when you say harder, I mean it's not like these guys aren't trying. Yeah, I do yeah. think I do. I do think the effort would be marginally better. I don't think it would change an outcome of her game, or maybe even mo- an outcome of a drive. But I do think the I. I mean, since you said that, yes, I would think they would play harder for Blackman. I think they all like Blackman more. I just really don't think that, you know, the offensive players are going out there and saying, well, Francois is back there. Let me take like a half step off on this play. I mean, they're, they're trying as hard as they can. I mean, yeah, just because they're playing harder under Blackman doesn't mean they're playing better either. I think yeah. if they, I think the offense still would run better under Francois despite mm-hmm. the potential lack of marginal lack of effort just because of the difference in ability to run the offense, as demonstrated in fall practice. Let's not forget, if Bailey Hockman was still here, James Blackman would be the third-string quarterback. God. <laughs> Those are facts. God. Those are facts. Oh, my. Now you're being dumb. That's true. Are you kidding me? No. That's 100% true. Ask practices. anybody in, within no. the program. Ask anybody. That's the same thing of thinking green. Uh, the grass is greener on the other side. That's exactly no, what no, you're No, no, no. That's about. true, though. No, no, no. Ask anybody within the program. Ask any assistant coach, grad student, equipment manager, locker room janitor, whatever you want to ask. <laughs> Bailey Hockman was playing better than Blackman in fall camp. No. All right, what's your next question, Mr. React? This team, yeah, Logan, you're overreacting right now. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I think, in my opinion, for someone to play harder, and to, I think a lot of the young guys, from what I've heard, too, on the inside, is that they do not trust DeAndre Francois. DeAndre Francois was hanging out with an indefinitely suspended wide receiver during senior day, and a lot of those seniors, from what I've heard, Lost of a lot of respect. I mean, the past, yeah, but, well, the last seniors. seniors so. Yeah, but I mean that that <laughs> well, the disease was, spreads. Yeah. The disease spreads. But uh, that, but then the younger guys coming in know about DeAndre and how that he can't be. He, I don't know. There's there's not a lot of respect. That's I don't know. I I, I feel like that's something that we'll learn about after this season a little correct. bit more. Let's, but let's not let's not now. Uh, overreaction or accurate. This team would be four and zero under the Texas A and M Aggie savior Jimbo Fisher. Overreaction. I think if you look at what he's done at Texas A and M, I I see how you could think that. But let's not let's not forget that his message really wore off at Florida State, and the buy-in would have been piss poor this summer. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but piss poor this summer. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, at, like the effort from the players would have been terrible coming off a seven and six season. Um, and they just wouldn't have bought in. I know he's doing better at Texas A&M with made probably a worse roster, at least on the whole composition, a worse roster. But he's also has b- players who are bought in who aren't uh, like whose message has hasn't worn off on them yet. So I I think he would be probably two and two, probably three and one, maybe two and two also. But he would also be using players that knew his system, where Willie is trying to teach a whole new system to a whole new group of players. Right. And that's exactly why I'm going to say it's accurate that the Florida State would be 4-0 under Jimbo Fisher. I really don't think that the message would have gotten as stale as it as it was if he, he wouldn't have had his foot halfway out the door the, the entire season. Well, you know, if, he, if he had been 
okay. What for? But for the sake of the argument. Okay, for the sake of the argument. If he would have like come back, okay. I don't think. I mean, he obviously wasn't coming back last year with the way he was acting on the sideline. But I mean, if it hadn't have been like that, I really think that this team would be four zero right now, just because. You think they would have beat Virginia Tech with that offensive line? I don't think the offensive line would have looked as bad just because of the the system. Like they had to yeah. switch to a new system. Okay. I think they're, they're. I mean, obviously, there's still adjustments there for the whole team. But I mean, if this team would have kept its its same systems, Francois, he would have been in that pro style system. This would have been the fourth year now. And Cam Akers as well. He was performing great last year as a true freshman in a pro style offense, and he's kind of taken a step back. So, yeah, I say it's accurate. Overreaction or accurate? Florida State should pursue a grad transfer with uh, Kelly Bryant and Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. I'm gonna let overreaction. Yes, overreaction on my. That's all I'm gonna say. Stu- okay, overreaction because <laughs> people are saying like this is another thing. I'm gonna say it again. The grass is always greener. People are like, oh well, they're winners. No, they've played for much better program over the last two years than Francois has or Blackman has or any FSU quarterback. Also, Kelly Bryant, 18 career starts, one career game with over 300 yards. Jalen Hurts, 30 career starts, one career game with over uh, 300 yards. Francois, 18 career starts, seven games with over 300 yards passing. So let's not think the grass is always greener here. Jalen Hurts only won because he had the best roster in college football. Kelly Bryant beat the teams that he was favored against and lost to Syracuse on the road and got dominated by Alabama and really held them back. There's a reason these two kids lost their jobs. Not saying they're bad quarterbacks, but FSU does not need to get down the slippery slope of um, grad transfer quarterbacks, especially when continuity is so important in a head coach's uh, first couple years at a school. You don't think we should, uh, Florida State should have Everett Golson back? No. Um a reaction or accurate. What do you think, Dustin? What are you thinking here? That they that they should pursue clumps. I don't want to say that FSU should necessarily pursue a grad transfer, but maybe it would be beneficial to the program to like if a if a younger quarterback transfers out of a school, maybe it'd be beneficial if they're talented enough for, for Florida State to pursue them. Just because I'm a little skeptical of, of the quarterback depth going forward. I mean, you know, you've got Francois. We don't really know what he's going to do after the season, depending depending on how the rest of it goes. I mean, he could go pro. He could transfer for his final year. or I mean, he could come back. And then you have the same thing with Blackman. If Blackman doesn't play all year, does he consider transferring out? And you've got Sam Howell committed. So let's say you have three scholarship quarterbacks next year. You're either going to have to get another one in the in the recruiting cycle, or you're only going to have two scholarship quarterbacks heading into 2020. So, I mean, that's something that you've really got to be worried about going forward. Yeah, you hit it well with the Sam Howell stuff. Cam Akers is legitimately worse this year than last year. Overreaction or accurate? I'll say accurate. Um, it's clearly something's not going right, whether – um, it, it's the system, or um, he's just regressed. His his ball, his uh, confidence has affected his vision and his patience, or whatever. Or because he can't get it going, he feels the need to try to turn everything into a big play instead of taking 
the holes that are presented in front of him, albeit they're not very big with behind this offensive line. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I do think he's pressing. I mean, uh, it's been very, very obvious that Patrick has found more success than him this year. While last year, I thought they both found pretty even amount of su- success with Akers kind of outshining him towards the end. But yeah, he's something's wrong, and I would say he is legitimately worse than last year at this point. Um, I'll say overreaction, and and the main the main reason of that is the five guys in front of Akers. I don't think I don't think any skill player or quarterback on this roster trusts the offensive line in front of them. You know, to to do their job effectively because through four games they they haven't. I mean, it's been a total disaster, and I and I think that has a lot to do with the running game not getting off to to the kind of start that we thought it would. Because, I mean, you need that push. Sure, Cam Akers, he broke that tackle in the Virginia Tech game and, and went 90, 80, 90-something yards to almost get a touchdown. But you can't expect your running backs to just always create those types of big plays, especially with how porous this offensive line has been. I mean, there's just there's barely any running room, running room for anybody. Yeah, that offensive line is not helping any of them back there. The last one that we'll talk about on here, which is a big topic this week, uh, regarding a former Noel, uh, Jameis Winston was uh, just finished his three-game suspension. Uh, supposedly, or he was actually holding practices at this, uh, his own personal practices with recently cut players out of the NFL, former players, even some former buck, former Bucks uh, guys, and he was running practices at the same exact times uh, during the week. As, same uh, drills, same uh, same flow like, of everything. The same flow, yeah. and he was even wearing uh, whenever he was there. Whenever games were going on, I do believe he was also wearing uh, the pads and everything. So that is the most Jameis thing ever. Come on, how can you not just <laughs> smile at that? Are you that's kidding lo- me? That's awesome. Are you kidding me? He wears his, he sits in his pads in his living room and watches the game. So well, no, no, that's during like practice. That's like during the scrim. Like he runs a scrimmage uh, during the game. You can't tell me Jameis is not. He probably does have his game. helmet on. He's got a radio. He's running his own <laughs> scrimmage with a radio of the plays. He's waiting a five second delay so we can see what happens. He's running the exact same play, and he's <laughs> congratulating yeah, he... imaginary teammates on imaginary touchdowns. Yeah. But so that that brings us to this last reaction or accurate. Jameis Winston has to start on Sunday, and this is kind of a, a reaction or accurate meaning. Jameis Winston needs to save his job, and he needs to start on Sunday in order to do so. Oh, you just completely switched up the question on. Well, that. he can't let Fitzpatrick. I mean, if Fitzpatrick's going to start, what about if Fitzpatrick has a good game? I mean. Uh, I, okay, I'll, I'll start. I think Jameis can't start on Sunday. There's nothing he could do uh, to start on Sunday because of the way Fitzpatrick has played, and that's completely out of Jameis's control. I think Jameis has enjoyed the way Fitzpatrick plays because once he gets in, and he will get in in the next three weeks, um, I'm, and by get in, I mean take back over his football team. Um, but he he's had a nice start. If he had to come back from 0-3 or 1-2 and and try to make the playoffs... I mean, it looks like the Bucks' offense, at least. Jameis is primed for a huge year. Yeah, I just picked him up in fantasy. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I think a big uh, deal that actually I don't think with... I don't think he has to start this Sunday, so no, to answer your question. But I do think he will start in the next three weeks, so not to worry FSU fans or Bucks fans if you're worried about 
Fitzpatrick. They're going to let Fitzpatrick plays into play until he doesn't play as the best. He's on the best run of his career right now, or at least equal to the best run of his career. And they're going to ride that out as probably they should because this is he's played very, very, very well. And then once that comes to a crashing halt, which I uh, think it will in the next couple weeks, I think and Jameis will take over the rest of the night. I think Fitzpatrick had an accident, a big accident against my Steelers on Monday night. So I think that helps Jameis a little bit. And I also am looking forward to watching Jameis behind an actually pretty decent offensive line in Tampa. Wow. That will be <laughs> wow. very exciting to watch, won't it? That'll I haven't be... watched an FSU quarterback and... behind a good offensive line since Jameis Winston played yep, for FSU. Exactly. So I cannot wait. Because Jameis Winston hasn't had a good one in Tampa. Yep, he'll have time to throw to Deshaun Jackson deep, uh, Mike Evans. Godwin, it'll be fun. Even OJ Howard. Yep, and then right, uh, Le'Veon Bell, right in a couple weeks or. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah, you mean Kalen Laybourne Jr. Yeah, my bad, my bad there. Uh, sorry, Dustin, go ahead. Well, I mean, I'm going to start off this overreaction by by defending Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, you know, rewatching that game, I'm also a writer over at Bucks Nation. You know, just a plug, but um, rewatching the loss. To the, to the Steelers, <laughs> yeah. Rewatching the game against the Steelers on, um, I, I watched it like late Monday night afterwards. But at least two of those interceptions weren't even on Fitzpatrick. I mean, the yeah. pick six, uh, the defensive tackle came right through the center, hit Fitzpatrick's arm as he threw, so he couldn't follow through. And then um, the first interception, the deflection. The right tackle blocked inside instead of going outside, which left the defensive end free reign to just come in there and tip the ball. The other play, it kind of looked like a miscommunication on the route. Like, I couldn't tell if it was Mm. Fitzpatrick's fault. It kind of looked like Evans quit on the route when I was re-watching it, but I I couldn't really tell. But, I mean, I really do think he's playing well. That being said, um, Jameis Winston, he's not going to start on Sunday. It's It's a short week. You know, Tampa Bay played Monday. They got to play again Sunday. So it's just a short week, and it's just too much to, to replace your starter at this point. But the Bucks have a bye after that, and I think we'll see Jameis Winston take back over the starting reins in week six. Yeah, Jameis Winston actually just started physical practice with the Bucks today, and this is Wednesday. He went through meetings yeah. yesterday on Tuesday. So this is his first physical practice yet in four weeks or so. Uh, in the Bucks organization, uh, my my Steelers defense is pitiful and got awful. So I'm very surprised Fitzpatrick performed the way he did. He uh, didn't play that bad, Logan. No, he there was he had some really good drives. Yeah, because our defense has got awful. The pick six I mean, our secondary. Pick, the pick Artie six Burns, was bad. Artie the Burns. He's done it against every team. Artie Burns is one of the worst corners that we've ever had, probably in our history. Damn Hurricanes. Yeah. can't trust him. I mean, he just leaves guys wide open and makes Fitzpatrick look like Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, but he hey, looked like that against One and two. New Orleans and Philadelphia. <laughs> it wasn't just Pittsburgh. Oh, here comes Ryan. Oh, yeah. Oh. Here comes Ryan with his Miami Dolphins 3-0. 3-0? There he goes. <laughs> Has no. it been... How are you feeling about that? Feeling great. Are no, you? I think we lose to the Patriots. But 3-1 is a great start. You got to separate the season into quarters. We're going three and one at least first quarter, so I'll take that all day. Calling that an overreaction, I think Miami <laughs> Sunday. 
the but uh, <laughs> the Patriots had a rough time against. Well, it was out two weeks ago against the Jaguars too, and then but then the Jags fell off. I think they thought that was the Super Bowl against the Patriots. They obviously weren't thinking about the Titans. They looked terrible. Like, who would think about the Titans the next week? I mean, honestly. Oh wait, picks picks for Louisville. Picks for Louisville. Oh, we got to the scores. All right, Dustin. What are we, got what are we going? Dustin is giving me his score prediction. You think high scoring or low scoring, Dustin? Well, I mean, I was I was really impressed with with Florida State's offense a week ago, um, putting up thirty seven against Northern Illinois. I mean, that's the most we've seen them put up all year against an FBS opponent. So, just got to give them some props there. And you know, they put they put some drives together. They looked they looked good at certain points of the game, and then there was also those points where they looked exactly like they looked against Virginia Tech and against Syracuse. I mean, that being said, going into this game. I think we're going to see a little bit of a, of a step back scoring-wise. I don't think Florida State is going to be able to get 37 against Louisville. And I'm feeling I'm, – I'm feeling I'm feeling 24 points in this game for Florida oh. State, honestly. Exactly. And it's going to be – are you serious? Exactly. I'm going to have to change it now, but keep going. <laughs> I'm going to say 24 to 13. Florida State comes out wow. on top. I don't nice. think Louisville's offense is going to be able to to produce very much against a Florida State defense that has played very well, despite getting put into a lot of difficult situations to, to rebound from. All right, here's my uh, thesis. Mm. FSU got slapped last time there at this stadium. Last year, FSU should have won, and then Louisville got lucky because we fumbled Blackman and uh, yep. Cam Makers fumbled the exchange. They got real lucky to win that game. And then this year we go there. We win 23-21 on some lucky nonsense. My prediction. <laughs> FSU 23, Louisville 21. They miss a game-winning field goal or something like that. Wow. You heard it here first. Wow. Here this year, Logan Robinson, Dustin Lewis, Ryan Stolder. We'll see you next Wednesday. <laughs>